hotly anticipating to get here next week and finally see the third video. We're using these videos with our new new members to kind of explain who we are and what we're about to help them kind of connect to our family. And we thought with this being the beginning of a new year and especially with what we've got in front of us this particular year, it's a good time to reorient ourselves to that vision and to how we accomplish what God has put us here to do. And we believe we have a process that will give you and I as individuals the opportunity to impact our community and our world for Christ, to give you and I as individuals the opportunity to be heroes of God. Last week, we looked at the first step of that process, discovery. And our questions as we looked at that was, have I discovered God? Have I discovered God in Jesus Christ and His church? And then the second question was, am I helping others to discover God in His church? Am I doing these things? Well, today we want to go on to that second step of the process. That word that you just saw introduced in the video there, discipleship. The second step in the process. You know, the New Testament uses the word disciple or disciples 272 times. You may not have ever heard that, but by and far and away, folks, the New Testament refers to you and to I as disciples more than any other way. More than it refers to us as Christians or followers or believers, we are called by the New Testament disciples. It's a word that is not just a title, but it describes what we're doing. The word disciple in the Greek language simply means learner. We are learners of Jesus. We learn of His way of life. We learn of His way of thinking. We learn of His way of being. We are in a process. As a matter of fact, there's three words here. Discovery, discipleship, and devotion But discipleship, that word in the middle, actually encompasses these other two words. It's all a process. We've been using that word over and over, process. And that word implies we are in a process. You know, the New Testament never says that the most important thing or that the one goal for life is that you become a believer. Or that the one goal of life is that you become a church member. Those two things are extremely important. Because there is no life until you're a believer. There is no life until you're a part of God's family, the church. But that's not the end. Oh, I'm a believer now. I'm a church member now, so now I'm finished. No, that just gets us into the door. That just begins the process. The process of you and I growing into Christlikeness. Growing, maturing, developing, growing up. And so, as we had the question last week, have I discovered God in His church? The question of a disciple is, am I growing into Christ-likeness? Am I becoming more and more like Jesus? And the Bible absolutely anticipates that you and I are growing, that we're growing, that we're developing in a number of areas. I want to look at several of those very specifically this morning. Would you turn with me to Hebrews The book of Hebrews, if you'll go to the end of your Bible, Revelation, and then just back up a few books, you'll run into Hebrews pretty quickly. Hebrews chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, I hope you'll use one of ours there in the pew and study along with us. Hebrews chapter 5. I want to begin in verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. 
says there, We have a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain since you have become slow to understand. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of God's revelation. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary message about the Messiah, let us go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teachings about ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, I don't know if you picked it up as I was reading that, but this is one of these passages that it just kind of crawls up in your face. This is one of these passages that kind of insults you. You know the Bible can do that every now and then? And did you notice right away here in verse 11, the writer is saying to, the, to his audience, you know, I'd like to explain some things to you, but you are slow to understand. Now help me, isn't that just kind of a nice way of saying you're dumb? I mean, that's not very nice, is it? I mean, that's what the writer's saying. Hey, there, there's some things we need to cover. There's some things we need to be moving on into. But I can't get there with y'all. Y'all are dumb. Well, that's not very nice. Look at this, verse 12. For though by this time you ought. By this time you ought. How long have you been a Christian? Year? Seven years. Thirteen years. 37 years. How long have you been a Christian? In that amount of time, what ought, what ought to have taken place in your life? What ought you to know by now? What ought you to have experienced by now? Where ought you to be in your passions, in your commitments, in your values? I mean, certainly after that much time, something ought to have happened. You know, I'd say, if you scratch your head and say, well, I, don't, I don't know, that's probably not a good sign. Look, what else is here? He says, you guys need milk, not solid food. And then he comes right out and says what he's trying to say. You're an infant. And here again, that's, that's pretty close to saying you're a baby, aren't you? <laughs> and, you know, kind of getting up here in our face. You see, discipleship, I'm a learner of Christ. That's a process and there's to be progress. In the process, I should be learning. I should be developing as I go along in my walk with Christ. It says, by now you should be have senses that are trained to distinguish between good and evil. Is that happening in your life? You know, maybe on a very simple plane, we would say, oh, yeah, I, I know the difference between right and wrong, between good and evil. But, but do we really? I mean, when we walk into a, a situation... We, we walk into a worldly value. We walk into a, uh, a, with a person, a belief, a religion. Are we trained to distinguish between good and evil? To know how to respond appropriately with each? I mean, that should be progressing in our lives. There in verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, Leaving the elementary message, moving on from that, graduating from that, elementary Elementary, that's, that's simple. That's first things. Are, are we elementary in our understanding of Christ? Are we elementary in our understanding of the faith? 
Do, do we desire a higher education? Are, are we pressing on to the secondary things? Now, the writer here does something interesting. He says, now, I want to I press on past these elementary issues. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling with you guys. You still have these questions in these elementary things. And, and he lists six things here. I don't believe that the, the six things he mentions are really the focus. I don't think he's saying these are six things I've heard you have questions about. But rather, I think he's grabbing some ideas from different areas. As a matter of fact, you can take these six things and break them up into three pairs or three areas. You see there, first of all, he says, I don't want to have to go back and start over laying this foundation of, and he says, repentance and faith in God. Repentance and faith in God. What are those issues of? That's, that's salvation, isn't it? We're talking about things that are kind of surrounding how we come into a relationship with God. You know, in theology, the study of things surrounding salvation is called soteriology. You don't really need to know that word, but, but that's what it is. When we, when we are studying issues around salvation, it's called soteriology. Then he moves on and he lists two more things. Ritual washings and laying on of hands. Those are things dealing with church governance, church polity. It'd be like asking questions about you know, why we ordain deacons or why we get baptized. Who's supposed to be baptized? I mean, these are church issues. In theology, the study of church stuff is called ecclesiology. And then he mentions two more things. Another pair, resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. That's the study of what? Stuff that goes on at the end. These are end things. In theology, the study of end things is called eschatology. Now, if we could just kind of summarize here what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, guys, you know, guys, I wish we were a little bit further along than this. I can't believe I'm here addressing these elementary issues of soteriology, ecclesiology, and eschatology. I think we ought to be a little bit beyond that by now. You like me? You're going, oh my gosh, I feel kind of stupid now. Yeah, man, this is tough, isn't it? Now, there's a lot we could understand in this passage. There's really just a very simple idea I want us to glean from this. And that is that as a disciple, we are going to grow in our, look at that word, academic it's not a very spiritual word, is it? When we think of spiritual words, academics probably not one that comes to our mind. But you know what? As a disciple, we are to grow in our academic understanding of our faith. We're to have a growing knowledge. Man, I've been a believer now for 25 years. I ought to be able to handle a few more questions. I ought to be able to deal with that by now. You know, First Peter 3.15 says that as we develop as disciples, we ought to be able to give a defense for the hope that is in us. We ought to be able to defend why we have faith in Christ. Are we growing in our ability? We don't have that on day one of being a believer, but can we defend it a little bit better on like day 365? Can we defend it even better than that on day 1050? We ought to have a growing ability to defend our faith. That's an academic word. That's an academic idea. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says that I should take what I've learned and be able to give it to others so that they're able to teach others. Now, that's a, that's a big 
statement right there. Think about that. You know, you might go to a class and learn something. And you come home and you say, I learned this tonight. And you tell somebody what you learned. And then they ask you a question about that. Usually the first thing we say is, well, the teacher didn't cover that. (laughs) See, what we learned is we're just repeating what we just heard. That doesn't mean we have a whole lot after that. We don't have that kind of understanding yet. That's not what's being talked about here. When it says I should take what I've learned and be able to communicate it to others to such an extent that they can teach others... Man, now we're talking about mastery of content. Not only a mastery of a content, but the ability to communicate the content. Folks, we should be getting smarter as Christians. We ought to know more by now. We're to love God with our our mind. Faith doesn't mean we remain dumb. Faith doesn't mean we go, well, you know, we just take it by faith. No, God calls us to be smart. He calls us to love Him with our minds. But not just with our minds. We love God with our heart also. Look with me at Ephesians. Go back to the left a little bit. Get around Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Right around in there. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to kind of begin reading right in the middle of verse 17. Ephesians chapter 3, I'll look there in the middle of verse 17, Paul says, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. And to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge. So you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul says, man, I want you guys, you disciples, to really grow, to really understand, to really experience how great and how awesome God's love is. I want you to have a growing understanding of how much God loves you. You know, there's a day and time where we ask Jesus Christ to be our Savior and Lord. That's a point where we probably understand, God loves me. There's a creator up there. He's real and he actually loves me. But you know what? I ought to understand that love a little bit more a year later, shouldn't I? I ought to have ten years later an even greater faith and even greater confidence in that love. There ought to be a development of that. And as I grow and understand how much God loves me, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to love God's people. I didn't see anything about loving others in that passage. That's just what happens when you understand how much God loves you. If you've genuinely understood that, you're going to love God's people. Jesus said it this way. He said, I give you a new commandment. I want you to love one another. In in the very same way, just like I've loved you, that's how I want you to love others. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen. It's by this love. By by the way, as we come in here, by the way we relate with one another, by the way we take care of one another, by the way we serve one another, by the way we talk to one another, by, by the way we talk about each other. As we look at all of those things, there ought to be such a profound love that anybody watching can tell you are a what? A disciple. By this, by this love... They'll tell you are a learner of Christ. See, I've I've been sitting in Christ's way for a year now. 
I, I've been a learner of Christ for, for eight years now. And that's going to show up. That's going to progress from year one to year eight to, to year 12 and beyond. It's going to show up in our love for one another. I mean, let's be honest. Just because I become a believer. I, be, I became a believer yesterday. I joined this church yesterday. Well, that doesn't mean I walk into this room and all of a sudden just have a, an overwhelming love for everybody in here. As a matter of fact, sometimes on like, you know, day 431, we still don't have an overwhelming love. for. No, it's a growing thing. It's not automatic, but it, it grows. It develops. I keep using this word process. It's a process. Discipleship is a process. We're moving. We're developing in our mind. We're moving. We're developing in our hearts. doesn't happen by accident. It happens because we choose for it to happen. We put ourselves in a place where it can happen. So we love God. We're growing and developing in our, in our mind, in our heart. But we also grow and develop in our activity, in our strength, in the very way that we live. Look with me at 1 Timothy. Go back to the right again. This will be the last time we turn. Philippians, Colossians, you'll get to Thessalonians and then Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 6. 1 Timothy 4, verse 6 says, If you point these things out to the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by words of faith and of good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Rather, train, train. Start training. That's a process, isn't it? When you're training for something, that means you're not there yet. You know, see, I'm standing right here and I, and I want to be down there. I want to be down there where I can lift this much weight. Or, or I want to be down there where I can run this fast. Or, or I want to be down there where I'm qualified or, or certified to do something. I can't see right here. I can't do that. So I've got to go to training. I've got to, I've got to work out or I've got to go to classes or I've got to do some study. And I'm in training so that I can get to the place where I can do that. I can't do it down here. No, there's a process by which we develop to where we're like that. Now, what are we training for? Is, is it for a certain job? No, it says right here that we're, we're training for godliness. Yeah, I start, see, I started off down here. I'm not like God at all down here. As a matter of fact, when I'm in that discovery process, see, it all, all connects together. I'm in that discovery process outside of Christ. The Bible actually calls me an enemy of God, a hater of God. So I, I will, now wait now wait a minute I, I've never considered myself an enemy of God or a hater of God well that's okay you don't have to consider yourself that that's what God considers you if you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ the Scripture says you're an enemy of God so I'm way down here and then I begin to discover a process of learning a process of discipleship begins and I become a believer I'm a child of God now that's what God declares me but even as I, I'm taking a couple steps but even as I stand here as a child of God I'm not like God. But I am a disciple. I am a learner of Him. I'm not in this process to debate Him or to challenge Him. I'm in this process because I fully trust the Master Teacher. My goal is to become like Him now. And so I begin a process as a discipleship. And when God is done, guess what? I look just like Him. Man, I started way down there. I hated God down there. Now I look just like Jesus Christ. That's the process you and I have entered. That's what the, the process of discipleship is about. 
And at the end, we can look in every area of our life. It's an activity. I, you, can, you can look at your money. Look at your relationships. You can look at, at how you handle problems. You can look at how you make decisions. You look at values. And in every one of these areas, you look more and more and more like Jesus. Sometimes one of our areas gets a little bit further ahead. You know, I, I, I might look like a whole lot like Christ in my values. Eh, I'm not doing so good in some of my relationships. I'm still growing a little bit. I look a little bit more like Christ in my money. Oh, but boy, sometimes I make decisions all on my own. And, and, and we can be back and forth. The key is we're constantly moving. The key is there's movement, there's progress, there's maturity in our lives so that in every area of our life we're looking more and more like Christ. Let's read on a little bit more in this passage. Look at verse 10. In fact, we labor and strive for this. This process of getting from here to down here is work. It's work. We labor, we strive after this, for this, because we've put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of everyone, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. No one should despise your youth. Instead, you should be an example to believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, is given you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Practice these things. There's another word. Discipline, training, practice. Don't all these words imply work? Don't all these words imply there's a goal that we're working to, that we're constantly moving toward? Practice these things. Be committed to them. Look at this phrase. So that your what? My translation says progress. So that your progress may be evident to all. Yeah, so we ask the question, are you growing in the Lord? Well, yeah, yeah, I think I'm, I'm growing in the Lord. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, I am. Really? Well, what, where, how, what are you doing that's growing in the Lord? Uh, I'm uh, going to church a whole bunch, yeah. You know, interesting, and I know I'm this way, so are you growing in the Lord? We probably get kind of fuzzy on our answers there. But when I see a phrase that says progress might be evident. What's that word evident mean? Evidence has a sign. Evidence. It's, it's concrete. It's objective. It's real. You can see it. Folks, this passage implies that as you and I have begun down there and we're moving to down there, that we should be making progress in all of these areas of our life. They're looking more and more like Christ. And guess what? Everybody around us, our church family, our family at home, our neighbors, they should all be able to say, man, that guy is looking more and more like Jesus in every area of his life. You know, I think sometimes we don't take on this challenge because we say, you know, I mean, you're not going to actually succeed at that. I mean, you're not going to be perfect before you die. You're not going to look just like Jesus before you get to heaven. And I think sometimes we think that seems like such a high and lofty goal. We're never going to actually get there. So we don't even get into the process. But I look at this word, folks, and it makes it pretty clear. The Lord absolutely expects that there is progress in the process. That there is progression in our move to perfection. We may not get there this side of heaven. But we are to be moving that direction. Folks, our church wants to be a place where people come alongside each other and we help each other in that progress. 
That's what the church family is about. That's what the body of Christ is about discipleship. We are all what? We are all learners of Christ. And you go through all these passages, it's all talking about others. Others, others. If I'm being discipled, then I'm involved with others. Because as I am a learner of Christ, I say, you know what? Christ was always involved with people. He was always looking at where people were in this process and seeing what He could do to help them get further down the road. So see, a part of my discipleship, yes, part of my discipleship is is studying and learning and developing. But a part of my discipleship is putting myself in a place where I have to serve. Or I have to come alongside and help others discover, help others be discipled. Because that's, that's just what Christ did. And I'm a learner of my master teacher. What are you going to do this year to take a big step forward in loving God with your mind? You've got questions about the Bible, about God that, that you'd like answered. You've always wondered that. Well, what is it? When is it time to stop wondering and to start researching? What, what, are you, what, are you, what are you going to do this year to take a big step forward in loving God's people? Now, that's a very concrete question. A lot of us probably have an individual in here that we, we don't love a whole bunch. There's something about their past. There's something about their personality. We just would prefer not to really be in the hallway at the same time. They're in the hallway. Well, what are you going to do to take a step to get over it? What are you going to do to take a step to start loving? That's, that's what we do as learners of Christ. That's what Jesus did. He was constantly moving toward people, not away from them. What are we going to do to take that step? What are we going to take a, do, take a step in our activity? In our activity of serving. You know, I I promise you this, whatever your commitments are, whatever you're thinking as I ask those questions, if you're really going to step out there and do that this year, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. That's why the Scripture uses those words like labor and strive and train and discipline. I don't know about you, but when I hear those words, I think of being tired. I think of being sore. I think of sweating. The Scripture never says this is about something that doesn't require any time, any effort, never makes you tired. No, as a matter of fact, the only words it uses to describe these process are words that take time and effort and sacrifice and make you tired. But we're not talking about what's easy, are we? I said that last week. We're not talking about what's easy. We're talking about being heroes of God. Remember last week, those, those two commitments we said we were going to make as heroes of God? I commit to discover all I can about God and His church through faithful attendance at Bible fellowship and worship. Why? Because whatever God wants to do in your life, He's going to do it as you gather with God's people to worship and as you gather with God's people to study His Word and serve. And in our church setting, those are the two key places where that happens. There's a lot of ways you can discover, a lot of ways you can be discipled, but I promise you, God's will, whatever steps you take this year in discovery, whatever steps you take this year in discipleship, God wants you vitally connected to His family as you do it. That's His will. Now, that second commitment, I commit to, to join a ministry, to get involved in a ministry where I can help others discover. And you can just add the word discipleship to both of these. They go hand in hand. Discovery moves right into discipleship. 
What will you do to take a step forward in coming alongside it? Being a part of the church family where we come alongside each other and help each other move forward because we're learners of Christ. That's what He did. Always helping people move forward in their discovery. Always helping people move forward in their discipleship. What will you do this year? You know we have a, a ministry fair out here today. And, and we've put that because we want to come alongside and help. We really actually, folks, it, it, it's not just a neat thing to say and something to paint on the wall. We really do like want to impact our whole world. We want this world to be different because Colonial Heights Baptist Church is here. And, and, and so that means we actually do this discovery. We do this discipleship. And we've put tables out there that are all kinds of different ministries designed around your personality. Your time, your gifts and abilities, you make the choice. That's where I'd like to come off the bench. That's where I'd like to join this church in impacting the world and as an individual start impacting the world. We've got all kinds of ministries out there for you to choose. We need everybody. We need everybody to come off the bench. It's not a little thing we're about. It's eternal. It's worldwide. And every single passage in the Bible says... We do it together. All of us together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you place that very burden on our lives to be found faithful as a member of this family, as a member of this body, to join, to be a part in impacting the world, to join, to be a part in impacting others' lives as they seek to discover impacting others' lives as they seek to be discipled. And God, as we take that step to help others, may You disciple us. May You strengthen us, encourage, build us. God, make us smarter. Lord, we don't want to be stuck way back here at the beginning of the process. We want to be moving more and more every single day in every area of our lives to looking more and more like Jesus. God, we want it to be evident to all that progress is being made. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray this. Amen. We like to conclude all of our services by reaching out and holding hands. It's a reminder to God and to us. We're a family. We are one in this house. And we worship Him as we go. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions or would like a copy of today's service in CD or DVD format, please call the Colonial Heights Baptist Church offices at 804-526-0424 during regular business hours.